Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind, a podcast devoted to 80s entertainment and beyond. Uh, this episode we're discussing the sexual thrillers of 1987, Fatal Attraction, and The Bedroom Window. I'm your host, Michael, and Kersey's on the other side. Hey, pleasure to be here, and that's probably our cleanest intro yet. Yes. Also, it feels weird saying the word sexual thriller. It felt a little pervy. Have we done anything like that for like trash cinema? Like, no. Oh, yeah, we we did we did a little bit. Um, God, what was that? We did some like prostitution ones from like. Oh the, yes, yes, Angel like, New York. and yes. uh, Vice Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we did then, some. And then the only one that we did here was uh, Body Double. Yes. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely true. And I said that was kind of the start of the whole sexual fillers. Now, Body Double is responsible for a whole generation of direct-to-video, low-budget kind of sleaze movies. Whereas Fatal Attraction somehow kicked the shit out of everything in its path. Uh, Christmas 87. Not only that, but it also got tons of Oscar nominations. Made, I think it said something like $250 million worldwide. I mean, this was a phenomenon. And basically, horror movies die in 89. You're going to get a small trickling until, like, 1996. Everything after that is sexual thrillers. It's amazing how the dad and mom thriller, you know, just like, oh, hey, there's still a couple popular stars, and they got A-list budgets compared to horror movies. It all starts here. Yeah, I mean, I can see why. It it definitely takes that same aspect that was in Body Double, um, but kind of evolves it to be more serious and definitely something... Um, that it can be award nominated. Yeah, and it's uh, it's the launch of that blank fill in the blank from hell, affair from hell, girlfriend from hell, uh, secretary from hell, stepfather from hell. Literally, stepfather comes out in '87, um, and that would go on for a very long time. I feel like that genre is even starting to come back too. Yeah, I do feel like every once in a while you see them now. A lot of times now they kind of look like. Um, you know, Lifetime movies, but they're still like, what was the one, Lakeview Terrace, The Neighbor from Hell with Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. Uh, and you see homages to this, because these movies made a shitload of fucking cash. And yeah. while most people think of, like, Basic Instinct by, you know, as trashy sexual thrillers, this one, like I said, was the breakthrough, and this one got so many nominations. I think it's great, but I don't... Maybe it's the hype that got to me, plus the fact there's been decades of movies like this. This is the first time I've ever seen Fatal Attraction. Is it the first time for you? Me too, yeah. Okay, so I've seen Bedroom Window, our second film, a few times, and I've been a big fan of it for a while. But this one, it also kind of taps into the 80s uh, elitist. Like, I think the thing you see in a lot of 80s horror movies is that... uh, they are untouched. You know, you get the suburbs, you get the woods, you get campsites, you get stuff like that. Where, you know, that's the kind of safety that you think is, is in uh, your neighborhood where you never expect a killer to be. But this brought about the idea of, you know, what it doesn't matter how rich you are, how powerful you are, what city you're in. You don't have to deal with, like, the vigilante way. You know, like, you know, like the early 80s, there's all these exploitation movies where rich people were reincosted by poor psychopaths and they had to, you know, take a vigilante route. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one kind of changes it and says, you're your own worst enemy and you fucked this shit up and you brought the enemy into your house, hypothetically and literally. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, to go back really quickly about how, like, the genre is still sort of alive and 
it's kind of evolving into something else. I think like uh, Midsommar is probably the most recent example I can think of that kind of includes elements uh, like kind of like this movie started, um, but changed it to be something uh, very unique. And I feel like it's kind of that direction that we're going. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Um, very, oh, oh, snap. very far behind in horror movies, dude. It's, it's pathetic. Um, I still haven't seen The Witch <laughs> or The Vitch or oh, what do you call Jesus. it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know, I know. Ugh. But, uh, yeah, this one kind of changed up things for Michael Douglas, too, because before this, all he really ever had was boring dramas and those two adventure movies, Jewel of the Nile and Rancing the Stone. But Fatal Attraction and Wall Street came out within a couple months of each other and both got tons of Oscar nominations. And he became, like, the number one focus for that middle-aged, rich, cynical white guy you know for years that he would do you know like uh if you wanted a villain that had greased back hair and was rich <laughs> you got him yeah uh, uh or anti-heroes like in uh falling down yeah 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 um but here's the weirdest thing to me and this makes me sound like a bit of an asshole um but i understand how men are too uh i see what i expected from this movie is he has an affair with glenn close because I assumed, like, his gorgeous wife, Ann Archer, was just, like, you know, very uh, uptight and just, you know, she got to the point where she just didn't like having sex anymore and he was frustrated and that's why he had an affair. No. It, it just shows you that he's just a dog. That, it, that yeah. it doesn't matter what it was. He just wanted to get laid. And he has this gorgeous, loving wife who's hotter than... Ugh. Ann Archer it was, like, a sexual icon in the 80s. And then Glenn Close, who... Mm, they did their work in to make her look attractive, but she'd never been, at least in my book. It, it, it could just be a product of the time. I mean, the hair that she has nowadays really doesn't fly, but I, maybe back then it was very different. Maybe, yeah. They really tan her up and, and cover her makeup. But uh, it, it got to tell you, though, her performance is fucking knockout. It is oh, yeah, amazing. Uh, I just, uh, that part where she's just like, I mean, she you can tell she's kind of off in the first place. But when she says, I will not be ignored... Yes. I'm like, oh shit, oh boy. <laughs> so did yeah, we? I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Do we? And the spoilers, people, uh, for a 35 year old movie. Uh, was she ever actually pregnant? Did I miss this? Was this true or false? I don't know. I, I assumed. I assumed that she was. Yeah, because I expected her to be like, oh no, I was just faking it to get you into my, you know, the coils of the Leviathan, you know. But they never answer that question, and then they kill her at the end. And like, oh, there's gonna be a fatal attraction too with like the daughter of isn't there? There never was. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would have been a weird movie. Yes, is uh, <laughs> that's actually exactly the the plot of the first the, the potential Kill Bill Volume Three? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm waiting for that one. It's supposed to be um, oh, doggone it, the first girl she kills. Yeah, Vivica A. Fox. Vivica A. Fox, character. like her daughter, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, I like that it kind of changed the genre in a way, but like I said, I've seen too many of these now. It didn't seem that fresh, but I bet you at the time, it was a fucking wake up call to a lot of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I better not fuck around. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's a little rough around the edges. They really didn't do anything with the, the pregnancy plot, because, yeah, like you said, the immediate reaction that I had was like, oh, this is just another game to her and that this is like a ploy to get him back. But it didn't work. And then he never followed up because she gave him the number of her oh, yeah. gynecologist. And it's like, you can call him and he'll tell you. 
And then it was like, oh, okay, maybe he'll call or he'll like send someone to go find out who this person is and maybe they're faking. But that never went anywhere. He never attempted to call. Maybe there's deleted scenes out there somewhere. Yeah. But it just doesn't exist here. And then, yeah, they never explain why he would cheat on Ann Archer. I, I know that's not her character's name, but uh, like his wife is really nice and polite and kind. Uh, and, of course, she's gorgeous. So I just don't get why he would. They never really explore that either. Yeah, he's like, a villain in this movie too. He he, yes. <laughs> they try to give him some redemption. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He fucked this up bad. Yeah, and I think that the original ending, because the original ending was that she was going to kill herself, and then but like somehow like plant evidence on him, and so that he got would get arrested too. And that was the original ending. I think that actually works a lot better because it is true he is a villain in his own way. Yeah. Um, he, that he kind of helped drive this woman to madness yeah. instead of owning up to his mistake immediately. Well, it's just, so, he, he should, if he was just gonna, he says that it's just a one night thing, but he's so full of shit because he spends the entire weekend with her. Yeah, he spent two to three days. Yeah, and he was like, like oh, it's just a one night stand. I was like, dude, you didn't have to hang out with her the second day, you fucking moron. And then the third day, of course, that that's kind of a loophole because she slit her wrist. He could have bailed. But he felt sorry for her, so I, I I'll give him that one. But uh, yeah, all in all, I, I think that the uh, the new Blu-ray, it's like a the Platinum Collector's Edition or something. Paramount's doing like an, an elite line of Blu-rays of some of their classics, and I'm wondering if the deleted scenes are on there because I've heard about the alternate ending as well, where he goes to jail. Yeah, so like I said, a little rough around the edges, but it, at the core, it's it's a very well made. Yeah, the uh, the director of this, Adrian Lyne, he had just come off of Nine and a Half Weeks, and I've heard this is like a legendary sexual movie, but I've never seen it. Uh, if it's just, I don't know if it's about just sex, so I don't really give a shit, but if it's a thriller, maybe I'll give it a shot. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, um, it's where Mickey Rourke basically got famous and Kim Basinger. Um, oh. And then he would tackle this genre again with Unfaithful in 2002 with Richard Gere and Diane Lane and that basically saved Diane Lane's career that one's really good um, so our and second then, film and then we would go into Basic Instinct which is basically just a remake of yeah that. it's kind of yeah uh, Bedroom Window I think is one of the most underrated thrillers of the 80s it's a shame that it barely made any money and it's basically been forgotten over the years, and uh, it's a Hitchcockian throwback. Uh, not in the way that Brian De Palma is really like over the top with his, you know, homage to Hitchcock. This is Curtis Hansen's, I think, third film. Curtis Hansen would become famous later for *L.A. Confidential* and *The River Wild* and stuff like that. He was a, a master of thrillers, but in this one, uh, it's Steve Gutenberg cast against type. Uh, he was mostly known for doing comedies. Uh, and, and he's just a guy who, just like you're supposed to be the average Joe, who's caught up in this thing, trying to do someone a favor, trying to do the, the right thing, and it just keeps blowing up in his face, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And I love the escalation. I love the, the, the direction. I love the combination of Elizabeth McGovern as the survivor of the first assault and him teaming up together uh, to stop this. I, I thought it was really entertaining. Yeah, it's a, a solid thriller. I'd never heard of it before, and I was... A, a, by the by like the 15 minute mark i was just sucked in yeah it's... it is fantastic i love the fact that like his the, the whole situation spirals out of control because he's trying to do the right thing but for the wrong reasons and it keeps compounding on itself and it keeps having to lie and get further and further down 
instead of just saying the truth for once in his life because he's trying to hold on to something that can't that he can't hold on to which is uh, uh his lover yeah and the pro well also she's not cooperating she's not helping in any way whatsoever so if you haven't seen the movie uh spoilers to the hilt um he's having an affair with his boss's wife and uh while they're in well just post post-coital uh, he's in the bathroom, and she's at the bedroom window. She hears a scream, and she looks out the window, and she sees Elizabeth McGovern being attacked. She witnesses who the killer is, but she can't go to the cops and tell them because she'll be on record, and the cops will come to her place interview, and they'll want to know why. You know, it'll destroy. They'll make the whole affair open. So Steve Gutenberg has to lie and pretend that he was in bed by himself, and he heard the scream and got up and saw it, and that's when everything goes fucking wrong. <laughs> Because then they try to press charges or they try to, like, I guess the first thing that they do is they get a lineup of people and they have the initial victim, the one who is about to be murdered, uh, in the same room with him. And they have to together try to pick out who the person was. And he already told them, oh, I got a good look at him and I know his shoes, I know his jacket, uh, I know, like, his face and his hair. And they bring in a line of people and now, like, he's screwed. He can't, he, of course, he didn't see, so he can't say who it is. And this woman is just, like, waiting for him to say who it is so she can get closure. And it just keeps building on that tension. That's only that's not even a halfway point. Like, it, it gets significantly, like, they keep uh, increasing the stakes. Yeah. And it's just fantastic. The fact that he takes on his own detective skills uh, helps, but also implicates him. And it, it, I, just, I thought it was just a really good average Joe kind of throwback noir. Yeah, and uh, there's just a lot of, like, really good little details that they can pick up on i think the initial the first time we meet his boss he's he's holding a pistol uh, which is like this fancy one-of-a-kind gun but of course it's not loaded and he's you know having sex with his boss's wife so it's like the idea that his boss might be impotent maybe that's why like, yeah um she's sleeping around i don't know there's like these little touches that make this movie so interesting and that you can just analyze forever well, and I thought it was really classy too. There's some, there's a few elements that are exploitative, and I think Fatal Attraction I, with the horror, scary uh, stuff. But in Bedroom Window, for the most part, it's so natural. I mean, especially with like the the, the fight sequence at the end, is they're all, they're not fighters. There's no big you know editing sequence with you know choreogra choreography. They're it's just, just crawling on each other. Yeah, just rough, rough and tumble. And when people are killed, there it's 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 done in a tasteful way. It's kind of surprising. This is like the classiest movie we've ever discussed on this. <laughs> You could you could bring this movie home to your to your mom, you know. Yeah, I mean, yes, there is some nudity in there, but if you have more problems with boobs than you do people getting their throats slit, there's a problem in your household. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one has been saved, thankfully, by Kino Lorber. They put it out on a nice Blu-ray uh, because it was from uh, the short-lived Dino De Laurentiis company, who was only around for two years before he went bankrupt, and a lot of his movies were lost for a while. Actually, I think a few of them still are lost, but it's just, it's kind of weird that he decided to open his own distribution studio and spent way too much money making movies. This is the second most successful film he ever made, and it only made $12 million. Ooh. Yeah. What was his first most? Uh, his first one was Raw Deal with Schwarzenegger. That oh, was $15 million. Yep. But, uh, like, you know, he did Manhunter. Um, oh, and uh, Blue Velvet and Maximum Overdrive, but they all tanked, so. Yeah. 
Well, maximum overdrive, but Blue Velvet, that's surprising. That was a hit later on video, but he had to sell his whole catalog to other companies just to keep, you know, from going into bankruptcy. It was terrible. Hmm. And Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He produced that, but he went out of business before he could release it, and then it turned out to be a huge hit. <laughs> oh, oh, that's got to be brutal. Yeah, that's got to sting a little bit. All right, so a little bit shorter episode than normal, but uh, the next one we're going to go a little bit bigger. We're going with Evil Dead, Prince of Darkness, and The Gate, all three movies about opening doorways to places you shouldn't be playing with. <laughs> uh, and that'll be the final yeah, one think, of 1987. Yeah, I think generally like our episodes get shorter just because like we're talking about movies that are good, so there's not as much to really pull apart. They're just... We just uh, have something to appreciate, finally. It's, it feels good. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows about Fatal Attraction of a certain age. But I think mm-hmm. my age and beyond, none of us have really watched it. So that's a first-time discovery. But the bedroom window is the one that you need to go find. Yeah, that is probably in, like, the top ten of ones we've done so far. Yeah. he uh, Curtis Hansen, his first, I think, real notable script was a movie with Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer called Silent, Silent Partner. And I've seen it once, and it's really good. I want to find another copy of it, because that was a great thriller. It's about a robbery, but it, it gets set up with the wrong person. So, But Curtis Hansen, for some reason, stopped doing thrillers after uh, L.A. Confidential. He just started doing, like, uh, boring dramas. I don't want to know about 8 Mile. I don't, I don't give a shit about Eminem. <laughs> In her shoes, no. <laughs> uh, did, did the 8 Mile do really well? It did do really well, but I didn't give a shit, so it's, it's all about I know me. that you don't, but I, the point is making yes. money. Then. I'm <laughs> narcissistic. No. <laughs> uh, he also did The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, which will come up in 92, which I can't wait to discuss. And like I said, The River Wild with Kevin Bacon and Meryl Streep. So he's got a good decade ahead of him. All right, that is it, everybody. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter under uh, Hit Rewind Podcast, and that is it for tonight. All right, good night, everybody. Oh, God, did I go a whole episode out stumbling horribly? <gasps> That's amazing. We did it. <laughs> we are the champions. This is, this is a lean and mean episode. It is nice. I should probably go then, right? <laughs> <laughs>